Support for this podcast comes from the patrons at patreon.com slash FML FPL. Postmortem pods here, which means the season's over, which means what? Which means death, death to, by taxes. Death by, death by taxes. Um, we're not even going to talk about Game Week 38. I think we're just going to go housekeeping right here, answer a bunch of y'all's questions, f- ride off into the sunset and see you back for in a few weeks for World Cup pods, yeah? Yeah. Okay, so housekeeping. So... For our Patreon patrons, May will be the last charge that you'll see. And then it's just free gratis for June and July when we're all just hitting and World Cupping and everything. So that's a good job by you. We're going to have a store coming up um, in the summer, like around when we relaunch for the World Cup pods. We're just doing like a couple things, nothing crazy, just a couple merch things, see, see if anyone's interested. Not sure exactly when we're starting up World Cup Pods, but we'll figure it out and announce it as soon as we know. Um, shout out the FMLPL Prize League Mug League winner for May, final mug of the season, Miko Repo. He wins it by... Oh, I love that dude. Love that dude, A. B, he won it by one point. Remember that, di- that guy had like 100 billion points in the first week of May last week? Yeah, Miko fucking caught him, won it by one point, earns himself a mug. Great job by him. And lastly, shout out top of the FML field, public league winner, as as expected, John Arnane Goulholm. There's never anyone else. Finished with a 49-point gap ahead of friend of Slack, Will C. 2,466 points overall. Overall rank of 26. Fucking crazy. I hope he actually listens to the pod, but either way, congrats. And that's it. You ready to just go on, just rattle off some shit? Yeah, I mean, let's just touch on 38. I mean, like, yeah. you know, yeah. did you wrap up positively or negatively or net neutral? <laughs> Positive from my perspective. Technically, I went down like 1K rank, but I took a minus 12 for fun. Got in some Liverpool guys for fun. Captain Sala. Came through, although he probably should have had like three or four goals. Um, yeah, it's fine. Yeah, like guys that I like scored some points. Twenty five k is not not my target to start a season, but technically it's my second best finish ever. So I'll take that. I guess you know, overall a decent season. What about you? Yeah, it's a good thing you had. You could afford Van Dyke over Rabo. Oh my god! Yeah, I, I went for the guy. I went for the fucking nail. Do for a goal, George. Do for a goal. VVD <laughs> over the best left back in the league, Rabo, and that's who you got. Van Dyke is just extraordinarily. He's so do. He's gonna just hat trick game week one, game week two, game week three next year. Yeah, maybe it just has a skirtle season next year and just scores like seven. Seven. Ugh, that'd be so good. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I had a good week for last week, even though I didn't realize I was having a good week as it was unfolding. But, you know, <laughs> whatever, fucking fuck me. 23K ended up my worst season since my inaugural season. Wow, really? Yeah, dude. I'm a little bit sad about but it. But that just shows, season, like, I'm not, you know, I don't want to 
blow you up too much, but that just shows your remarkable consistency. I mean, for inaugural season 13, 14, 42K, followed up by 4K, 16K, 16K, and then 23K this year. That's fucking, you're good. Uh, it's, it's like consistently like decent, I feel like. Though. It's, it's, I, I keep doing little things each year that prevents me from being like 10K every year or whatever. But I think some good lessons learned this, this season. We'll get into it as we get into the meat and potatoes. But um, yeah, I, got, I mean, Robbo in was just ridiculous. Like <laughs> bringing an 18-pointer. That's right, like, an 18-pointer is fucking yeah, it's, That's just stupid. But my defense, dude, Florian, I love Florian Lejeune. He always knew that he owed me something, and he just comes in with 11 on the last day. It was so good. I mean, you don't need to tell yeah. me about Lejeune. Like, uh, we both got Lejeune, like, game week five or something. Like, we were very early Lejeune adopters. Yeah, I'm, like, a huge, huge Lejeune guy. I had him for He's just 12 weeks or something like that, and he got me... Pretty much zero points. Like actually, <laughs> average. I have the fucking like stats page up. His average points played for me. So that's like when I started him. Zero point eight points per game. That's pretty good. <laughs> but he is <laughs> fucking great. Good. And He's him great. and the cell. Like ah, I could I could rant for hours. But I saw the England World Cup team today, and like everyone's jizzing over like. Harry Maguire and shit, and meanwhile, Lascelles is the best English center back in the world, living. I don't know. It's it drives me crazy, but I'm I'm ranting. Yeah, I don't know what you're on about, but yeah, well, you know, Lejeune's a good boy. It's just when Lascelles came back, Lejeune and Newcastle were just t- terrific from then on. Just like one of the best defenses in the league, and he was amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah Newcastle. I'm, I think Newcastle. You're gonna like. Be the Burnley for next year. I, f- I feel like they're going to keep a lot of cleans. Oh yeah, I'm very very interested in, in Newcastle. Yeah, I mean, all they need to do season. is keep Rafa and keep some of the essential parts. Maybe reinforce somewhere. I mean, Dubrovka signing is already like massive improvement for their season outlook. And yeah, I think they could easily be like finish seventh or whatever. Yeah, I mean, Dubrovsky is like Dubrovka. Easily best goalie outside of the top six, I feel like. He's so good. He's just great. Newcastle in, wow. Yeah, Newcastle's fucking... We're, we're Newcastle fanboys here. Yeah, it's a very true story. But yeah, you know, season ended. So did you want to talk here. about some of your like just lessons learned? Did you have something specifically in mind, or do you want to just run through some questions and stuff? No, I think lessons learned, always good first topic for yeah. post-mortem every season. Yeah. Um, I think like the number one thing that I was thinking about this week is just like the ebb and flow of the season and when to invest where. Mm-hmm. Like the beginning of the season, I always feel like is the time when the top teams are keeping clean sheets and investing in good teams' defenses from game week one to like 14 or something usually pays dividends. But then once like they start having a lot of Europa games and everything's kind of piling up with rotation, it sort of like falls away. And then sort of end of the season, I feel like defense is more like spend less in defense and more in attack. So that's something I'm trying to think about for looking at game week one. Because I always try to skimp on defense in game week one. But I think I might try and go with like still like a three five two three four three next season, but but not like doing a four four five rotatings at defense. Like getting like good defenders from good teams, spreading the wealth around there, and and kind of building like a good spine. 
Yeah, I like that a lot. I hadn't thought about defenders that much, but when you when you look at like all of the top scoring defenders, it's always the top teams because of obviously they keep so many cleans, but also those top guys all go up like a fucking million in value. Some like Otamendi actually went up a million in value and Aspel goes up, Alonso goes up, even the really, really, really expensive guys go up because if you just own them long term, it's kind of like what we were talking about with like Ericsson, Kev, etc. Like these are guys if you just own them for long periods of time, they will be the highest scoring defenders in the league, just like automatically. So I th- I think that's a good shout. I mean a goalie is is similar to me. I mean, like, there's always the guys like Pope had a really good year and Fab had a really good year and even Ryan came on strong at the end, but I've had De Gea since like game week six or something, and he's just so automatic. Like I'm just netting points over everyone who doesn't have him almost every single week. Yeah, get, getting a premium goalkeeper for game week one is a one million percent nailed on for me. I, I'm not. I'm. I'm so tired of having these these goalkeepers from shitty teams or rotating. Like having a five zero or a four five four five rotator. It's just spending the extra point five to have a five five guy from a top four side seems just always better. And even though, you know, you look at like save points and blah, 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 but they get bonus points. I mean, like Loris was getting consistent bonus points just from like his past completion percentage in the BPS system always propelled him up there. I mean, spending 5-5 on a goalkeeper from a top four side just feels great. And I, mean, I, it's like also, I always have like an eight to 10 week window of the season where I have a goalie who's on a shitty team and they just start being bad. And I get like, and you just two, can't get rid one, of them. Two, yeah, can't get rid of them. You can't spend transfers in season on goalkeeper. And I end up getting between like one and three points for like seven straight weeks. And it's, it's just awful. Like getting, getting a clean sheet from goalkeeper almost always feels like you get a green arrow just because it's like free points. Cause you know, you don't rely on it. And when you get the clean there, it's, it feels great. And, Having a premium dude just seems like it's going to be the way forward. I don't know if like six for De Gea is going to be worth it, but five five for one of the other dudes. I mean, it, it seems good. I, like if Carry if Carius is five five next year, like straight fucking in. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's one of it. It feels like as of right now, both of our game week one teams we won't be able to afford the way that we're like talking about it and thinking about it, where we'll have like top four teams represented from defenders and goalies. Like someone like Kev Erickson, like those long-term guys who are always going to be top five scoring mids in midfield, and same with the forwards. But yeah, but if if you have a four-five third striker and a four-five, wait, wait, three-five, two-three for the oh, four-five third yeah. striker and yeah, yeah, yeah. cheap you know. and a five-zero oh, fifth mid or something, yeah, and we'll just fucking hack the game and get extra money, and it'll be great. Yeah, it just seems like. I don't know. It seems like taking your punts in more isolated positions is definitely like a lesson learned for me. It's like you want to have your rocks and you want to have them in game week one because they're going to soon be way too expensive to ever get in again. And you want to just ride those guys for like 15 weeks, you know, like long term. Like we both had Kev game week one. We both had Silva game week one. We, we had guys we kept and guys we got rid of. And if you can just manage to like keep those guys and use your transfers in like that fourth, fifth mid spot or third defender or third striker or something like that, then you're probably going to be like 
up there with a decent, good to decent rank um, when the final stretch comes and you're using chips and like blah, 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 and you, and you can vault up. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's kind of yeah, defensive, I mean, I think, though. It's kind of boring. Yeah. I, well, well, we'll talk about hits in a little bit. But yeah, I mean, I think like where you take your punts and where you spend your trenches. Also, in the beginning of the season, like we had Kevin game week one last this year. And we got rid of him after game week three when he started going on his scoring bench. But I mean, we were talking about Erickson a couple of weeks ago, but sticking with just like the steady performers for not for three weeks for like a 10 week window also seems like we got Pogba early and then he got injured or whatever this season. And that bandwagon derailed very quickly. But avoiding those like very early bandwagons and avoiding those hits like very early on feels like it's pretty solid because. We fall into it every year. I don't know. We need we need to really check each, check each other next season. But you know, we we our game week one team every year. We think about it for a month after the game releases until game week one and this game starts, and we're like so sure about most of our team for a while, and we end up tinkering with just like three or four spots and like a little bit on the on the edges. But once the game starts, it's like all out the window, and then two games go by, and we like want to take a minus twelve. And we need we need yeah. to not do that, like, especially when the ranks are so erratic. And you like game week one, you're you're eighty k, and game week two, you're one point nine million because it's just like everyone, everything is crazy. Yeah, we ju- I just think that we need to like pay more attention to who we like game week one and, and stand by them. It's like Erickson, the same thing. I like I had Erickson and Ollie this year instead of Kane game week one. And then, like, I wild card or something game week six. I got rid of both of them, got Kane in, and then I just was, it was just awful. But it's like, like, someone like Erickson, it's just, there's literally no point in getting rid of him. If you have him in your team, he's even a captaincy shout. Like, he gets yeah. bonus points when he gets an assist, and he never gets hurt. And he just, even though he's boring and a piece of shit, like, he just gets FPL points. He yeah. prints points every year, he gets 200 points. Erickson blanked so, like, in 49% of starts. Kane blanked in 42% of starts. Yet everyone captained Kane like, I don't know, 15 times or something, and pretty much yeah. no one captained Erickson ever. Yeah, it's just, and it's also just, you know, looking at the the total point scores this season, I feel like it's been skewed more towards midfielders than ever before. And it doesn't seem like three strikers is ever going to be a thing again until they're good strikers, which there haven't been in really three seasons, two seasons. Yeah. So you know, I mean, having having five midfielders over three strikers feels like an automatic no brainer. Yeah, there's five and, midfielders who score more points than Vardy, who's the number two forward. Yeah, it's 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 not really like close. Yeah. And then so the gap I, from Vardy to the number four and five forwards, Aguero and Lukaku, is twenty twenty points. Yeah, it's yeah, pretty. So it's like it's you know, big. I don't. It's going to be hard to afford like two premium strikers and fodder and a three-five-two for game week one or whatever. But you know, I don't know what I'm talking about. We're just rambling. It's yeah. Postmortem pod's a tricky thing. Well, let's start with this Ray Ray question. Ray from Slack because it's kind of exactly what we're talking about. He said it's a long one. How do you strike the balance between being patient with historically strong players while adapting to new star performers? A couple of examples from this year: we all ditched KDB after three games of season. He went on a run and returned every other game for nearly the entire rest of the season. On the flip side, we showed way too much patience with Kane this season, particularly for capping. Most of the people I talked to mistakenly capped Kane 15-plus times this season, capped Salah far fewer times. Were we all victims of various psychological traps this season? We need to get uh, that woman on again. When it comes to Kane and Salah, looking back, we really should have been capping Salah nearly every game week. How do we learn from this for next season? 
I, I think the main thing for me with Kane this year was like balancing what we were seeing with our eyes and what we felt from years past. And this year felt very different watching Kane than it has in the last three seasons where he's just always like looked amazing. He always had very good stats underlying his, his returns or lack thereof. But this year he just looked bad since basically like November or so, I feel like December Mm -hmm. when he got that like first injury or whatever. But it's like out of fear. It's just fear based. It's playing FPL out of fear where, you know, every, he plays home Huddersfield. And even though he hasn't looked good for three or four games, everyone caps him just because it's like, oh, Kane home, blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, I, I think Spurs, I think we need to really take a big lesson learned this year from Spurs. Like, they're not a good attacking team this year. Even though they finished top four comfortably, sort of comfortably, they didn't ever look really likely to score three plus. I, they were eking games out with one or two goals every 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 game. Yeah, and they couldn't, much couldn't really break down buses and stuff like no, that. And, yeah. No, and Kane was just shoot like Kane's stats are. Yeah, he finished with thirty goals, but like he's shooting like so much, so much more than years past. Like really, just like being the most selfish fuck ever, which usually is good for FPL, but like. He lost that balance of just being like a better actual player who's better for the whole team scoring and creating more chances and better hold up and stuff like that. So like by nature of him shooting more, I felt like Spurs were that much a less attractive option, you know, from like a team's upside also. Yeah. It's hard. I mean, he only he finished with like two assists, I think. Um Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he still had like over 200 points in FPL. It's not like he was awful all yeah, year, but yeah. I mean, relatively speaking, for you know, 13 mil, and you know, you're looking at captaining him more often than not if you have him in your team. And you know, it was when Salah was nine, and you know, it's different. Next year will be another another question, but I don't know. I mean, you, you gotta you gotta see a little bit out of Kane. I'm down, I'm not gonna have him in my game week one team next year for sure, but you you gotta see some. Some better form, and you have to see better form from the team. It's they ran out of ideas, you know. Yeah, it's really just the value. I mean, it's just he's obviously really fucking good, and thirty goals is insanely good, and he's he's consistent in that regard, season totals and stuff. But he's all four and a half million more expensive than Ericsson and barely scored more points than him. Yeah, I mean, and you got to look at it next season, right? Like. He's probably going to be right within about a million of like Aguero and uh, Obs. Yeah, I would never want Kane over either of those players. Not even remotely close. Right. It's just it's not close. So, you know, we'll we'll look at it when the prices come out and we see the fixture run at the beginning of the season. But yeah, I I just think like in in general when we start doing making decisions in FPL based out of fear and based out of percent captain pull percentages, like that's when it doesn't go so great and. It's like keeping it into perspective that just each game week is only one, it's one out of 38 each time. So, you know, if 50% of the people are captaining Kane in one game week, but you don't fancy it, I mean, it's not going to be great if the guy you pick blanks and Kane does something, but you, know, you got to back yourself, right? Like, you, yeah. you just got to back yourself. I think another lesson learned regarding Kane and just captains and, and picks in general is just overvaluing pens. I mean, like, how many times on this pod are we just like, yeah, and he's on pens, and like, yeah, he has another feather in his cap, which is pens, but it's like, you just can't ever count on them. Like, we need to treat them like, they're they're similar to counting on attacking returns from defenders. It's just like, not why you get a defender. It's just like, almost 
a bonus that you have to just never think about because it's just complete luck. I mean, it's just complete luck. You can never count on pens. If you get them, you get them, and it pads your kind of, like, end-of-season stats. But you can't really ever, like, if two guys are equal and one's a little more expensive but's on pens, it's probably not worth it in my mind. Even though that one, you know, one out of ten weeks he might get a pen, you can't predict it or or really rely on it, I don't think. And, like, Kane had very few pens, and, like, Liverpool had fucking, like, two pens this year like you know it's just you, you don't know yeah meanwhile Milivojevic had like 500 eight. so yeah I guess if you, the, if you have Zaha on your team I guess you can count on it but yeah it's just like the variance and the predictability is just not there it's you never know which teams are going to be drawing them and what which aren't but I, I do think it's like a little bit of a deciding factor if you're looking at two guys right. like if you, there's it's, two it's level guys then sure you know yeah. but as long as it's not like Alexis who you're like wow he's going to get minus 2 every pen they draw. Right, but like and that's that's the type of thing, that's the type of player that people would talk themselves into with cap as a as a talking point. You know what I mean? Where it's just like, well, no, Salah's just still a million I mean, of course Salah's now on pens, but he's just a million times better and going to score more points. You know, it's just like at some point it doesn't fucking matter cuz you might your team might get one to four pens over the course of the season, but I'll take like that many more shots and goal scoring opportunities and open play than over pens, you know? Yeah. No, yeah, I, I agree. I agree completely. Um, whew. yeah, that was a, that was a big question, but yeah, I mean, Salah, it's, it's hard. It's hard to look back at this year and be like, Oh, I should have been capping Salah every week. Like he's literally the highest scoring player in FPL history and most consistent player in FPL and premier league history. So, what are we even talking about? <laughs> you know. Um, I know. I know, Alan. You know all about it. Yeah. Uh, Robin on Twitter said, "In retrospect, which formation do you wish you'd played most of the season? I.e., what strategy? High investment in defense, or all out attack, or midfield? Blah blah blah. I don't know. Formation's always a always a talking point. Yeah, I mean, I think it's like back to what I was meant, talking about earlier about mm-hmm. like how the season shifts. Like there was a very long period of the year from probably like game like one to midway through where you wanted four defenders every week, sometimes five. And the the cleans from like the six million defenders were so much better than any midfielder in that bracket, maybe bar one. And there were no budget strikers. So, you know, you wanted to spread the money around and you wanted to have at least four defenders in, but... That shifted like towards the end of the season. There were no like really good defenses, and there was rotation, and the expensive defenders just weren't really doing it. So, I mean, I I think again like the beginning of the season is when clean sheets are more predictable to me. So I'm probably going to start with three, maybe four. I don't know, but definitely two strikers at most. Like it, it just doesn't look like that's been happening in the last couple seasons. The budget striker bracket's been very, very bad and not a lot of options there. So, you know, I, I think it's either like a 4 4 2 or a 3 5 2, something like that, or maybe a hybrid. Right. It's probably what I'm going to look at going into next season. Hopefully, there's, you know, a 5 million third striker you could get that's going to be playing on a promoted side or something like that. But I think, yeah, you know. It is interesting to look at. I mean, for pre, it's more for like preseason pod next year, but. 
I'd be very curious to like look at that and see if it's a consistent trait for every season where the cleans just roll in because it was so prevalent this year. Like United clean their for eight out of their first ten matches. City clean six out of the first ten. Spurs five out of the first ten. Like cleaning every other is still like amazing. And then, you know, from from like middle of the season on, there was really only like Liverpool. I mean I guess City were kind of on and off. Chelsea at the end run. But it was more like runs. It wasn't like you just stick with all your United defenders every single week. It wasn't the right. same. Yeah. Right. Yeah, we'll have to look back at that for preseason pod next season. Yeah. Yeah, but it, but it's still, I mean, like you mentioned at the beginning of the season, like if you're getting a clean sheet every other or even you know 40% of the time and you're spending 5-5 five, five on that guy... There's no fucking midfielder who's like 5-5 five, five who's returning like two out of every five games or three out of every five games like on average. So that's why the value is there in the beginning of the season because midfielders who are maybe like 7-5 are returning at the same rate of these 5-5 five, five, five defenders, but you know it's 2 million more, which is why the value is there in defense earlier. So Yeah. Hmm. Defense. It's, it's not like fun, but... You know, every, this year especially, it's like the the slower you were to shift towards putting money into defense at the beginning of the year, the harder you found it to get points. Yeah, yeah. It's it's we always say like it's not fun. It's a boring strategy. Blah blah blah. You know what's fun is like scoring a lot of points and getting green arrows. Yeah, and having green arrows. Having a really high fun. rank. That's fun. Yeah, that so, is very so fuck fun. like fun. "Quote unquote fun." Let's have actual fun and get green arrows. I mean, you can have Tom Ince and Gaston Ramirez until the cows come home. But if you want to fucking do well in FPL, you, you get start Phil the Jones. season with Aspilicueta. You have Phil Jones in your team. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it'll be so interesting to see what what the United center back sitches next season. Yeah. Um. There's more captaincy question. I mean, a lot of people got so consistently burned with captaincy choices. Like Ryan Stone Cowboy on Twitter said, do you have any strategies for rectifying getting cons- consistently burned with captain choices all, all season? Like, Don't captain cons. <laughs> I wish there was some fucking formula. I mean, maybe I should be looking at like a lo- more advanced stats, like non-penalty XG and stuff like that, because those are just factually more predictive um but fuck man i don't know most players blank like at least 30 or 40 percent of the time even the best players in the game like salah is a complete anomaly so there's a lot yeah, of luck I mean, I, there's just a lot of yeah, luck. there's 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 a lot of luck with captaincy but i think another thing that's interesting is that like when you look at the top I mean, you predominantly captain players that are on the top four but home bankers against promoted sides have to be taken with a grain of salt, I think, from now on moving forward, yes. just because they're so, like Spurs, for example, they could not break down Brighton at home. Like, I don't know, like Brighton comes in and parks 10 deep behind the, behind the halfway line with one roaming striker and they struggle to score a goal. They couldn't break and, down, yeah, anything. They had so many, yeah, anything. All of the, everyone's Kane captaincy blanks were in those games. Yeah, like home it's, Swans, it's, home, blah, home, home, home. Yeah, I think you need to really pay attention to the top sides when they are home against a promoted side or a really bad team, like how they're doing against sides like that and how they do against teams that are going to set up like that. Because 
you know, you might be better off captaining fucking a mid-table midfielder against another mid-table side because it's going to be an open game. So like, I, I think it's like one yeah. of the. Th- I mean, Salah was a, definitely a very unique case this season. Yeah, but almost I, not like, City, almost not even worth like considering his returns and stuff for for moving forward because no one's ever scored this many goals ever. You know, it's just it's just not a thing that you can rely on for like predictive success in the future. Yeah, and I mean, something you could do next year, I mean, assuming they just strengthen and everyone's fit coming back, like you could just get Salah and ca- automatically captain him for the first like six game weeks and just see where you're sitting. Mm-hmm. Because that's always been like, we did it with Kane this year, we did it with Aguero the year before, we've done it with RVP, you know, we've done it with Suarez. We did it with like, Rom very- this year. Yeah, Rom. I mean, that's very viable. You know, you you pick someone who you think is just the best attacker in the league on one of the best attacks, and you just captain them automatically. But you know, there's got to be a time when you start looking at the data and taking Salah out of the equation here, and you look at like this year, like Lukaku at the beginning of the year. I mean, United were very. They started off very hot, and then they were kind of hit or miss. But I think you have to just look at you know you have to just like look at how the team's performing in that game week and take out of like the fear and what everyone else is doing and what the on paper fixture is and just analyze it more like for yourself and what you're seeing because every single week is like it doesn't matter what they did against like what United did against Huddersfield last year like this is this year or whatever you know so you know you got to like just look at it I think that way and and you know I don't know yeah and the bottom teams are just getting so good at parking the bus i feel like you know like in seasons past i feel like there were there were teams that just they would just concede three goals every game like they just didn't know what they're doing they were playing attacking football like blah 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 and now the promoted sides come up i mean they obviously get spanked from time to time but they can also like nil nil at old trafford or nil nil at wembley and just do a fucking job and block every shot and the keeper makes some saves and that's that so yeah, it's almost yeah, it's like element. more attractive almost to captain against like a West Ham than it is to to captain against fucking you know Wolverhampton because it's just like yeah. West Ham are a fucking mess and they attack and they can concede four or five every, any game even though they're they're like quote unquote better. Yeah, and I mean honestly, like not even necessarily captaining a top four side because you know if the top four side is home against a bottom six side, it's just going to be breaking down a bus for ninety minutes. And you know that might other than City and Liverpool this year, it's there's not a perspective for three plus goals in those games for most teams. So or those top four other top four sides. So you know, I mean, it could be next year that it's like South or, or Palace home against Southampton in like week four, and it's going to be like a four three because F, both teams are going to attack and try and win, and it's going to be open. So I'm definitely like going to look a little bit more at the differential captains next year because. The other thing is, you know, you cover yourself by owning the player who's going to be most captained. And if you don't love the matchup, then go go a little saucy. Yeah, I like this. I, you're getting me excited about some differential caps. Yeah, it, we're always so afraid to do differential captains. Like it's so dumb. Yeah, it's dumb. the season's fucking thirty eight weeks, and yeah, if you differential cap and your guy blanks on the dude who most people pick has a brace, and you own that player, like what are you losing? Like it's it's not that much. Versus like what you could gain, plus you feel better about the decision because it's your own, you know, like that. Yeah, and back to yeah. fun. It is more fun. That's for yeah. sure. I mean, my vice captain outscored my captain this season. There you go. So what are we talking about here? 
Vice Captain Goalie always. <laughs> yeah, I mean it is it is funny also to look back at the season stats like their advanced attacking stats and like chances created and stuff like that and just see the gulf with which some like City is number one, like in a tier by themselves, untouchable fuck out of here every other team and then liverpool in tier two in a gulf by themselves no other team is even close and then it's like arsenal and spurs are kind of together and then another whole tier below that is chelsea united yet in our minds they're all part of the same top six but it's not the case when you're trying to predict attacking returns you know yeah no it's i mean city and liverpool are in one category and then to me the other four that you mentioned are in a decidedly different second category. Yeah. Mm. We'll see, you know, we'll, we'll have to see what the teams do in the summer and, and yeah, what, of course, what's, of course. what's up for next year, but a bombing in is what we're what we're going to see. Um Andre Sandberg on Twitter, what was your favorite FPL moment of the season? Cheers, guys. Oof. That's tough. That's do you have one in mind? I need, I need, and the I need first to... thing like I haven't thought about it. All the absolute first thing that popped in my head was not owning Bavis and him uh, just cameoing for one minute, one pointers in back to back weeks. That was phenomenal. Yeah. What was that like mid mid year? Yeah, like I'm looking. After? It was game week 17 and 18. You played one minute versus okay. Brighton and then one minute versus City. Yeah. Well, I remember that one minute. Yeah. That was good. The board goes up and he, he jogs. Yeah. Up. It's like, oh my God, Fuck he's off. something else. Like everyone's like, no, he's blocking my fucking like blah 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 six pointer. Like, <laughs> I just love it. I love it. Um, I think actual like upon retrospect, first first thing that popped into my mind when I was really thinking about it, game week like six or so, mm-hmm. I brought in Britos, immediate red card. Oh yeah, I remember the slide tackle against like Huddersfield or something. I absolutely loved it. it just, <laughs> <laughs> it sent, but that was the beginning of the end for me. It was like that, and then I started getting own goals from Dunk. Like yeah. everything, like Injuries. I was penalty misses. I had I had more red cards, but like that first Britos red card was just like something just <laughs> right up my ass, and it just stayed there for months. <laughs> and it just it's great. Like that that's what that's gonna stick with me for the season. I, I think, love it. Is, is the, I absolutely love it. That's a good one. Yeah. yeah. Um, man, I get, it's hard to think what else. It's also hard to think. It's hard for me to separate Liverpool and FPL because the whole season's been just a blast with Liverpool and like owning Salah. And I'm a Liverpool supporter and just watching all of the goals ever score when I captain Salah every week, et cetera, et cetera. Um, yeah, you had two red cards this year Francis and Britos. Ouch. Yeah, Fran already. You had a lot of own goals too. Duncan. Yeah, yeah, I mean, one does not simply own Louis Dunk. <sighs> Dunk. He almost broke the record against Liverpool. Um, Michael Halfide on Twitter. Most hated player, which you'll never get back into your team because they've scarred you for life. Hello, Eric Bailly. Easy, easy Ollie for me. I will absolutely never own him again. There's no circumstance in We've got Ali, Deli Ali. Just don't think yeah. you understand. I actually don't understand, and I will <laughs> never understand because I will never own him again. Yeah, that's that's fantastic. super easy pick for you. I think mine is similar because you were shitting on Ali all season, 
all and season. I owned him like all the time. Yeah, I started then, with him. And then I got you him, owned, him and then you transferred him out and transferred him back in. Oh, me and then God. the reverse for me. I shit on Pogba all season, absolutely all season. And then I'm like, towards the end of the year, I'm like, oh yeah, they're playing four three three. I get baited into it, you know. He's just awful. Like he he should know being he should honestly be six million because that's like the position he plays and the points potential he provides is is just that. I mean, fuck, man. That yeah, is, Paul. Paul put Paul on my list as well. He's he's a never again. He's a never own because he's yeah. literally inflated. His price is inflated by like one and a half to two million just because he's pretty famous yeah. and on Manchester United, and it's a joke. He's there's no world in which he should cost more than Milivojevic, but he absolutely will be two million more than Milivojevic. Yep, agree, agree there. Mm. Mm-mm-mm. Mm-mm-mm. <laughs> um, so the next like group, I grouped all the questions together are pretty much all about chips. We got Romaine on Facebook, FPL Ian on Twitter, Sam Rossiter on Twitter. They're all just wondering. What we think about the double game weeks, how we plan on using our chips, what we learned about our chips, and then Ian followed up with it. Does Walsh sit in a dark room with a bong whilst potting? In a just all with a, a, with a bong with a bong. I don't know. Uh, come on, I don't smoke stuff. <laughs> Those are um, days of yore. Yeah, days of <laughs> days of yore. Um, chips. Yeah. Well, I mean, I went rogue this year. You went like, rogue. I, I did, you started yeah, the rogue train. Yeah, I wasn't waiting for next year. I did, I started I did it now. But in retrospect, is like something we talked about on Game Week 36, 37 pod is like the team that I would have had if I was bench boosting in 37 would have been really bad. Like I would have probably gotten seven or eight points yeah. because the guys on the shitty teams are on shitty teams and then they don't play one of the two games and they're just bad. So um I think the triple captaincy is like the most lucky thing that you will ever have in your entire life. There's no like planning. There's no, you, you use it on a double game week, but you either hit, you know, a four pointer or you hit a 18 pointer. There's no reason to ever play the triple captaincy in a single game week. There's literally no reason to use it in a single game week. It's actually insane if you do that. You, sure, you could hit like Salah's five return performance, but it's that's just ridiculous. Other than that, though, I think bench boost and, and free hit is completely up for grabs. Like you, you can do it during a blank game week, a double game week, like whatever the fuck, and come out ahead. It's you know the players you pick. There's the variance and the planning and not everything. I don't know. Yeah, I think. What do you think? What do you think? I think for me, it's like a few different things. Like free hit, I think. I agree. You can kind of use it freely, but you just have to have a plan. As long as you have a plan for free hit, for whenever the blanks get announced and all that shit, make a plan, look at your team, analyze it, make a rough plan with how you want to use it, then you're fine. And you'll probably net around similar points than everyone else when they use it. Um, For bench boost, I think it's like if you have the luxury of having a really good team and saving your wild card and saving your bench boost, like the template competitive active player thing to do, then you use it like that because, you know, if you pick decent guys, then you're getting a minimum of 16 points. If, if if just by minutes alone, if guys play both games on your bench for your bench boost, and that's, that's an incredibly high minimum. It just, 
hard after a season like this when almost everyone got fucked by one or two guys not playing both games no, on their that, bench. That's that's every every year. Yeah, I'm just saying like there's still not really a reason to not use it on a double game week unless you know like if you have that luxury is why I started it like that. Like if you yeah. have if you can save your wild card and get together a double game week team of 15 players who double, sure, you might as well use it then. It's probably a little better and averages more points than people who use bench boost on a single game week. But I don't think you have to save it. And we, we learned that last year and this year, I think. that like yeah, And I mean, I, like, I got 16 points. I used it on a single game week. The other thing is that when you saved your, your bench boost for a double game week, you're looking at somewhere between 34 and 38. You're never going to have a full team of players who have something to play for. So that makes the rotation inherently more like there's more variance in that rotation because yeah, that's true. teams don't have something to play for. And, and because they don't have anything to play for, like they're less likely to keep clean sheets. The bench boost is all about clean sheets. You're looking at your second goalkeeper and your fourth and fifth defenders. Like those are the players on bench. That's what bench boost yeah, is. Yeah. If they score, those, if they get cleans, you fucking fly on yeah, your bench. Boost. I mean, though, that's your bench. It's, it's, Getting clean sheets there. So something that I was looking at was like why I use it earlier in the season is that in the beginning of the year, I have more build my team to have a squad of 15 because I'm not carrying passengers when teams are wrote like the good teams have Europe and they're rotating and stuff. So, you know, I just was hoping and waiting for a week when my second goalkeeper and my fourth and fifth defenders had good fixtures who where I was hoping for a clean and I and I used it. But, you know, it, it can come back to it can come back to haunt you as well because you use it on the single game week and you know you get one clean there and then you, all of a sudden you get eight points and that sucks but it's just it's it's just a it's not something that you I think is written in stone that you save it for a double game week is all it's just that you should really absolutely yeah I mean really yeah. what we're talking about is there's not even that much of a difference in like floor. <laughs> of using it in a double game week, even if all your guys play 90 minutes versus in a single game week. It's really like an eight-point floor, you know, that of, of difference. Or like so, an eight-point difference. Yeah, eight-point difference. I mean, obviously the ceiling's higher if they double return, whatever. Who double re- who gets double returns? Like, who bench boost in a fucking double clean? Like, did any teams even double clean? Like, it doesn't seem like it, but... I don't, I don't think so. Yeah, the chips are so fucking weird. I mean, I like the idea of the chips. They just, they just never work out exactly how we're planning for them. I mean, teams have two days off. Teams are in other competitions. Teams are on the beach. Teams have nothing to play for. It's all fuck. Yeah, and I mean that's the other thing that we keep, which is again we talked about it a lot this this season on the pods. But it's just like it's an added little aspect to the game. But I found. And talking to a lot of other hardcore FPL players, like they see the chips as something like, oh, I'm definitely going to do so much better than all the casuals because I'm saving my chips. It's like, bro, like if you get one captaincy wrong and the other guy gets hits a captain, like that's more points in your bench boost. Or like if someone else transfers in a brace midfielder when you just like save, that's more points in your bench boost. Yeah, like so you're gonna, true. it's, it's, so it's true. such a small little ridiculous thing. It's like a one eightieth percent of aspect of your season. It just like doesn't mean anything. Yeah, and the amount of attention and focus it takes is just to me of, of 
how we plan our seasons is ridiculous. Like yeah, no. the wild card, the wild cards are king, and the chips are just like meh, whatever. Yeah, I mean, yeah, triple cap is by far the highest ceiling. Like, as we saw, some people, you know, triple cap obs and stuff like that. But yeah, yeah, it's and we just we literally just said that captain is. A lot of luck, and now we're saying triple capped is the best chip. So it's it's just all a fuck. Yeah, but it's it's a lot of luck. I it's mean, a you, lot you can of luck. have, but that's the difference. Is like you could have like with triple captain, the luck factor is like you have no luck, and you captain someone who has four points. You have a lot of luck, and they get twenty five points, and that's twenty point difference. Like you bench boost with no or luck, 60 you get sixty points. Like like obs, you know what I yeah, mean? Like that's right, what right. triple cap can do. Right, triple. Right, right, right. But like with bench boost, like you have no luck, you get seven points, and you have luck, you get twenty. So it's like you know, it's like twelve point difference. Like yeah. the delta is so much smaller there. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So fuck chips, basically. Um, and also we don't know if they're going to change the game again. I mean, they've been changing and tweaking the the chips and everything every year. So maybe the the rules will be different next year. We'll yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yep. Yeah. Um, let's do some questions about next season. So Robin on Twitter. Which players from the promoted size will you be looking at for your teams next season? Ugh, I have no fucking oh, idea. I mean, Cardiff, they're, as far as I know, managed by Neil Warnock, so I will own zero of their players for sure. <laughs> um, I mean, Wolves feel like there's going to be a decent like fifth mid option there. Maybe a defender, but... Yeah, I mean, the they're, clear, sides, they're clearly like the best team by a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they, I mean, they're going to probably... From what I've heard, it sounds like they're going to be slotted in around like the eleventh to fourteenth place in the table. Kind of like that's how good they are mm-hmm. if they keep like everyone. Newcastle but, status, yeah, yeah. Um, well, they also have so it, much money, wolves. Yeah. So like they'll probably reinforce and be like actually pretty good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, wolves look like they're going to be definitely most investment, but. Promoted sides always start well just because, you know, they're up for it. They're back in the prime. Fans are into it. And cleans like Huddersfield, remember? They started off with like three straight cleans cleans or something. Same with Hull the season before. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. So So maybe we should be like double fucking Wolves defenders or game weeks one through five or something. Yeah, I mean, or if if I backslide already about goalkeeper, like I mean, if you started with a low soul this year, you're just ridiculous. You got like forty points in the first three game weeks. <laughs> it's ridiculous. It was ridiculous. Yeah. Um, I'm interested in in Villa. I always fall for Villa, the Villa trap. I just like always have fun. Well, they're not up yet, right? I, no, they're not. They're in the playoff, but I mean, it's going to be. I think it's Villa versus um, Fulham. Uh, Fulham for the in the in the. I mean, both of those teams feel like there could be investment. Fulham. See, Fulham deserves to be in the Prem. And again, Fulham was an, also a team I always had, like Hangelan when he was in, yeah. and like all these fucking Fulham lads. Yeah, I always, had a, Villa, I always like, had a bunch I, you know, of Fulham guys, too. I don't know yeah, why. I, I don't either. I like Fulham and I like Villa, so I could, I could, see, I could see coming in, but definitely zero Cardiff, for sure. Yeah, I mean, we'll just have to see. And there, there were not that many promoted guys that. You know, came through this season. I mean, you had your your occasional cleans from like Wolves, Newcastle defenders. You had obviously like Gross was a scenic human, but he was brought in. You know, it's not like he's he wasn't on the squad at the end of last season. Um, so I don't know. I, I don't know the teams well enough. I'm sure 
through World Cup and hardcore analysis and preseason potting, I'll I'll fall in love with some guys as I tend to do. But as of now, I, I don't really have anyone in mind. Okay. Um, Charlie G on Twitter. Salah's predicted price next season more or less than thirteen point five. Um, I, I probably twelve five. I think. Yeah, he'll probably stick. I think at he'll midfield. probably be like thirteen or something. They've never priced a midfielder at thirteen before. I know, and he's yeah. scored more yeah. goals yeah, than three, anyone in Premier League history. <laughs> I mean, what, Alexis was twelve five this year after he came in with like two sixty or whatever he had last season, something like that. I yeah. feel like. I just I don't know. It, it, it balances the game. Is the is the thing is you know I mean how much. You know if if he's thir- he could I, I just thirteen thirteen's a lot. I mean, it's a yeah. lot, but like... 300 points is a lot. Could be 13. Yeah. 12, 5, 13. There's no way he's over 13. Actually 0%. Chance. Yeah, I mean, it, if Liverpool don't lose any other attackers and purely just reinforce the midfield, was, which is what looks like is going to happen, yeah, he's got to be. He's got to be the by far most expensive bit in the game. He just has to be. Yeah, but like, you know, I mean, Kane was 12-5. It's like that 12-5 is like a cap, and before that... 12 was the cap. I don't think yeah, anyone... Yeah, Kane made, was the first, like, 12-5 guy. Yeah, Kane was 12-5. And so, I don't I, I just think, you know, 13's a lot. 12-5 seems like maybe that's appropriate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll see. So what do you think? I mean, do you think you're going to stick him straight in and build a team around next year? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, okay. I'm, I'm leaning no, I will say. Yeah, I think he's just, like, the best. I mean, like, he's just so... He just ticks every box, and especially with like Liverpool's defensive record since like January, just add in a bunch of clean sheet points and stuff like that. I mean, this is I just mean, how this is just who we are and how we play. And you know, we City ended up scoring like I don't know, like twenty more goals than us or something this season. Like the next season, I you could easily imagine a world where Liverpool score as many as them, and it's just like what more goals? Like yeah. I mean, I'm honestly, I'm thinking a little bit about triple Liverpool defense next year. Yeah, that's gonna be real. I mean, it'll be very it's interesting just, to see like what Robbo's priced and what VVD's priced and stuff. Yeah. And VVD's I mean, do, you know? If you can have like two six and one five five Liverpool defenders, the value there compared to spending the most on any player in the game on Salas is significant because. You know they're they're going to keep a lot of cleans. They just Liverpool looks so good. Yeah, Henrik. Oh. They'll probably price the defenders at six, though. Yeah, I hope not. Like I hope they're dumb and still think Liverpool are bad at defending. Like like, like most, Lovren's five five and Dyke six. Yeah, Trent five five. Robbo six. Robbo six. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, but like that's the thing, you know, if you can. Yeah, we'll, we'll have to see. It's interesting. That That's going to be a big, big thing. As usual, pre-season. prices. Yeah, No, no, I mean for Liverpool investment specifically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or like whether or not you have Salah because, you know, we always do. It's the same thing this year. Like if you have Kane, the rest of your team is was so deficient this year. Right. You know, so right. we'll have to see. Yeah. Henrik Sorley, what do we do with Vardy next season? He scored 20 goals this year. <laughs> Man. Don't, not going to own him. When I when, when I think can, about like Vardy and like Millie and like Decore early season, like some part of me is like, I just need to stop being so stubborn and sometimes just get the guy who's just in the best form of his life. Like sometimes like 
you know, we're always advocates of the eye test and stats and mix and matching and trying to, you know, okay, so this guy is scoring every week, but he shoots less than one time per game or, you know, something like that. Then that's a guy we avoid. But sometimes if a guy is just lighting the actual world on fire, and maybe I should just get him in because it just happens every year where there's a guy that neither of us get for the first 10 game weeks and or for, or for the last 10 game weeks, like Millie this year. And they just score every fucking week and destroy us. And Vardy went on that run. I mean, he just he scored basically every week from like game week twenty one on. How many double digit games did Vardy have in FPL this season? I think one or two. He bookended first game week of the season, last game week of the season. So like you're spending eight five nine million on that player. Give me, give me Firmino for nine five. Like, there's always going to be someone near the bracket that I will want that you like him. better. Oh yeah, it's not even close. He, the volume is just not there, and yeah. you know, he trickles along, but he's not like cheap. He's not seven million anymore. He's not seven five anymore. Yeah, yeah, he's, yeah. he's in the in the upper tier premium type of price bracket. Like, you know, you you can go in and out of getting seven five strikers who are going to get you, you know, a goal every other game. So if you can if you can do it, right? but. It's just like it's not fun. Like he's a piece of shit. He sucks. Lester suck. I'm not going to own Vardy. I'm just not going to. I'm not going to even look at it. It's it's ridiculous. And the other thing is, you, you know, you want Mares. Like Mares gets bonus points. Like Mares has like who knows who's even going to be on Lester and who's going to be managing Lester next season. Like literally, yeah, might no not even idea. be there. But but like you know, they're the same price, and there's no argument I would possibly listen to that you want Vardy over Mahrez. So no, that, that right there, that doesn't exist. That right there yeah. is a death knell for, for Vardy because you're obviously not going to have two attackers on an absolute shit-ass team who are not cheap, you know? <laughs> love but, it. No, I love it. I love it. Yeah. If there's anyone on Leicester that excites me, it's Damari Gray and Iannaccio. Yeah, neither of whom like can get in the sides. Yeah, them. if they like somehow nail <laughs> themselves or like if Vardy goes and Yanacho's their strikers and those are guys that I'm like, oh yeah, I could I could talk myself into a lot of lot of that next season. I hate Leicester. I hate them. What what about Puel? Do you like him? I like Puel. I do. I, I do like him. It's it's just like he got such a funny every- body shape. When I was watching Match of the Day, I couldn't stop focusing on that. He has like kind of no neck and like kind of no torso and really long arms and legs. Yeah, I mean, he wears a jacket that's way too long. Like he's kind of like an ape body. No, I mean he actually runs Gringotts Bank in Harry Potter, (laughs) so everyone knows that. Greatest tweet I've ever tweeted. Pisses me off is just all you hear about is like locker room unrest. It's just like sad that. Yeah, it is. I mean, other. I I think Schmeichel is very, very like much the tip of the spear of like the players, blah blah blah. But you know, it can't be only him. But it's just like that culture. Like it makes me uneasy. It's just not like sport is not like a democracy. It's a fucking like there's a coach. He's like your fucking boss. So get in line and (laughs) like leaks of the media and all this shit. And yeah, they're they're obviously the players have. But it's it's it's. I don't. I don't like it. I just don't like it. Meanwhile, they keep nine cleans in the season. They're easily bottom five defense in the league, and Harry Maguire is the absolute first name in everyone's team of the season team sheet. Get out of here. Harry Maguire is bad. He's just bad. Get out of here with that shit. Like, dude, I'm listening to all these end of season footy pods, and they're 
first names in their team sheets are just like Tarkovsky, Maguire, like everyone. And I'm just like, oh, are, are they are these British publications? Yeah, that's what would I'm talking about. Would never have guessed. Would never have guessed. It's just like what? Those are the best center backs that you can come up with. Like what world are we living in? Maguire is actively bad. Maguire Stone's first two names in Southgate's team sheet, and most <laughs> England fans' team sheet is like those guys are just auto. I'm just like, what? <laughs> Excuse me. Is that real? Is that real life? Oh, dude, they're auto. Who is England's? No, no, no. Who is actual England center backs for the World Cup? Are they doing three at the back? They're going to do three at the back. Even though Gomez is hurt, I think they'll still do three at the back. And their options. Dyer should actually be in. I'm not even being Yeah, Dyer should be a center back, but I think he's a midfielder. But their their center backs, I believe, are Cahill, Phil Jones, Stones, and Maguire. And three at the back. Yep. Ugh, it's going to be a problem. I mean, it's going to be a problem. (laughs) I mean, give me, you give me. Gaz in the middle is like okay. Yeah, Gaz, Gaz is Gaz is good and plays on a good team and like Stones. Does job. Stones like in theory, but he's been he hasn't played basically since December, so I can't he, imagine he's going to be looking like great. Like Tarkovsky looks started, like a little. He started five games since game week thirteen. Yeah, Tarkovsky just looks like an elf. Like he's not like good, and he just concedes pens for a yeah, living. Definitely good at that. Yeah, that's gonna be that's gonna be a little. Bit I don't. Of uh, yeah, I mean, I just don't know. I mean, obviously, like I trust like professional scouts, coaches, players, all that above me. Like they they know footy on a level that I will never know. But fucking a, when I watch these guys, like when I watch Harry Maguire against Liverpool, and I'm just like, yes, we get to play against Harry Maguire today. This fucking oath is gonna get rinsed because he's terrible. But, yeah. They should fucking naturalize Lejeune and stick him in there. Oh my god, Lejeune the cells just live the dream. The Newcastle. Yeah, how is how is La Celeste not in there? He's better than any of these. So, that's what I was know. saying with my rant at the beginning. <laughs> oh my god, you're winding oh me up. England out. Um, Aaron, aka D Silva's jockstrap on Slack. There were two key moments through the season where I sustained continued significant rank drops for three or four weeks in a row. Is there a way you can see to build consistency into our teams? Should we just be selecting key players that we know deliver in season, seasons out? Like we were saying, like Erickson, Alonzo, KDB, DDG, blah, 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 and tinker on the edges. That's kind of what we were talking about, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's just like the answer is just no. Like you, you can't do that because the season's too long and you're going you're gonna to be, your head's going to turn to the new shiny toy, but... I think one thing I've been a little bit more open about this season as it unfolded was the idea of taking like a big hit to fix something. So yeah, like absolutely saving, saving, taking an eight and doing four swaps. Like yeah, like taking consistent hits is definitely bad. Yeah, but if you take that one eight or twelve to get rid of like factually terrible players for fucking good guys, like that, I feel like that usually nets positive over time. Yeah, so that that's something I'm I'm a little bit more open to, and you know you can really fix. Other than trying to be like, oh, like I have three guys injured, like I'm going to just use my free on this guy and and try and get through the next couple of weeks, like rip the bandaid off, take take them all out, and and fix the team for a hit. Like you'll probably be able to net positive in the next few, and then you have the added flexibility of not having to burn transfers fixing yesterday's problem, kind of a thing. Right, so, and yeah, I think that yeah, I mean that's. But again, I, I still do think that having patience with tried and true performers is great. Yes, but it's 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 easier said than done. But yeah, 
All right, two more questions. Like every, it's just every year. Like I mean, Hazard this year was bad, but like players like Hazard, Erickson, like they always De Bruyne, they always finish in the top five in the positions point every year. Yeah. So it's it's a hard one to yeah. I mean, include include like Ozil in that. Like he was obviously injured for large parts of the year, and Arsenal kind of fucked up. But like he's he's an absolute illness merchant. Yeah, but if he's like. Eight million oh and god. fit next season. Could you He's imagine? Oh, oh my god! I totally forgot about ball guys. About, He's going to be cheap as fuck next year. What did he have? Like three goals and one he assist. Had four this year? goals, nine assists, hundred twelve total oh points. Oh my god! He's going to be absolutely eight million at the most. If he's eight million, he could be more in into team. a game like one side. Oh, straight in my team. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, and those are the wow. type of automatic performers that we're talking about. I mean, just look oh at the history. It, it speaks for straight in my team. Day before first game, stomach bug, ill, out. <laughs> Absolutely happening. Wow, Otsol, dude, that's exciting. That's a very exciting thing in this moment. Yeah, he's a good boy. Um, two more questions. Original Alex on Slack. What was it the first guy you guys following the Premier League supporting Pool and Palace and playing fantasy? Interesting. What was the question? What was it that like got us into fantasy following Premier League and supporting our respective clubs? Oh, I mean, you you started following before I did, but we went to the Mets spring training that that uh, that year in, in Florida. Yeah, and you you had like Mets it was is the year before for I started. Those people who don't know what we're talking about. Yeah, for baseball, and you had that was when Michu was on Swansea. Oh my. God. And when like Kane was, I think, or uh, sorry, Kane, Bale was on uh, Spurs, Spurs, and you started showing me like YouTube videos of Bale like scoring insane worldies <laughs> on Spurs and shit. And you were like, "Who should I captain? Like me too? Like Spurs?" And like I would just be like, "Oh, me too! Like that's a great name. Like definitely me too." And then he would like brace, and you would just be like, come out of the shower, and be like, "Oh, I checked my phone. Like me too. Like three like brace whatever." Yeah. I was like, "What?" And then. I mean, the rest is history. It's like, is I just history. got completely obsessed with it from there. It's just you, you, you totally got me into yeah, it. Yeah, we've been playing fantasy American sports since like eighth grade. Maybe, yeah, like eighth grade, somewhere around there, right? So yeah, for, for actual like ever at this point, like almost the 20 The majority years. of our lives. Yeah, the majority of our lives we've been playing some, if not all, fantasy American sports. So it was always, the potential for it was always there. I, I guess I credit a lot of it for me to guess Jason and like his crew because I, I started I met him through my roommate at the time and they're all like super into footy like him and all his friends and I just started watching with them and like playing FIFA and caring about it they they have the mini league that me and you are still in and yeah yeah I mean that that was it yeah fantasy good good fucking thing is fantasy yeah, fantasy is great. I'm totally off topic, but there's a high percent chance that I'm doing the commentating for a Hearthstone tournament in New York City. Like I'll be oh, live commentating it on Twitch. And one of the selling points, I was like, "Yeah, I have like a really popular fantasy sports podcast," and they were like, "Oh, sick!" 
Yeah, I mean, that's like actual broadcasting experience. Yeah, I have like years of broadcasting experience to a lot of people. Actual, actual years. Yeah, so I'll be on, I'll post it if uh, if it happens, but I'll be like on Twitch, like fucking broadcasting. Like, Yeah, I mean, I watch fucking magic tournaments on Twitch <laughs> all the time. So I'm very aware of the experiences that happens there. So yeah. you have to definitely shout that out. So we're not not nerds. All right, so let's move on. Who are you captaining this week? Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Um, let me. So, sl- what are we, we're coming back in like three weeks? For yeah, we'll have to figure out three-ish weeks. World Cup pods, World Cup leagues. We'll probably do a league, maybe a cup, maybe a survivor thing, something like that. Merch, okay. all that shit. Okay. Um, let me slap some asses, and then let's get out of here. So, couple new ass slaps in. New signups to our patrons. patreoncom FMLPL. New patrons, good guys. Aaron Kingston. Great Twitter friend of the pod there. Welcome welcome to the tit. Slap your ass. And, and new laddie, Max Hooper. Get in there, you fucking legend, Max Hooper. That's it. A couple new slaps. Um, any last words? Bad, final we'll final FPL back, pod back of the season? A, what? What did you say? We'll be back in a few weeks. I don't know. Yeah, that's that's basically it, right? Yeah, it's, it's just chill vibes. Chill vibes all the time. I guess just uh, check us out at uh, uh, FPL. Dot com. FPL.com. <laughs> <laughs> I try and like switch it up for one time and I just completely. Yeah. Yeah, you're doing it. fine. You, we, we bought FPL.com and that's just our new website. We should buy it. Check us out at FMLPL.com. Follow us on Twitter at FMLPL. Support us at Patreon.com slash FMLPL. Yeah.